0: Carla reluctantly allowed me two beers while we sat at the meanwhile and discussed our last job of the day. We'd just pulled out what information we had on the Evicti when her phone rang. The call was all of two minutes, and from her side of the conversation, I figured it was Lash and had to do with that cane instruction he'd mentioned back at his office.
1: Got it. All right, then.
0: Instruction he thought I needed and... I should note, I was afforded no chance to nix.
1: Tomorrow at six. Yep. Thanks, Lash.
0: I resent this being forced on me. My thoughts on the matter were tabled when you blew into Lash's office and regaled us with the tale of how you colluded with a police officer to entrap a detainee.
1: He wasn't technically a detainee at the time of the alleged entrapment, Morneau. That's kind of the point. You really need to pay more attention to detail. Maybe watch more Criminal Minds.
0: I let her use of the verb watch slide. Is that where you're getting all these bright ideas lately? The boob tube? Because the general practice of TV writers, to skip over minor details like the actual law, in order to solve a case, in the span of 40 minutes or so between commercials, might encourage someone already prone to an overactive imagination to cobble together the means, motive, and opportunity to do some pretty stupid shit.
1: Well, I take issue with the word stupid. Reckless, maybe. But words have meaning, Morneau. And I shouldn't have to tell you that. You're an actual published author. Here
0: we have a slightly smaller elephant, but apparently it's Carla's turn to do the prodding. She has no way of knowing that just prior to the explosion, I'd started writing again. Nor was she taking into account how not being able to see the words I was typing might prove problematic. This was just another bone of contention she'd gnawed at for so long, it was as instinctive to her as scratching an itch. I started to ask her how she suggested I resume writing without the ability to see, but I felt her arm on my shoulder and then she started speaking. She'd been in contact with the evictee's building superintendent earlier in the day and was now phoning to let him know we were headed that way. The evicti currently resided in a building two blocks from where we sat. Once she disengaged the call, Carla told me the super was impatiently awaiting our arrival with a master key and crowbar in hand. According to him, it was getting done today one way or another. Apparently, the tenant had holed up in his apartment for weeks and there had been multiple face-offs through the door. The super had been waiting around to change the locks as soon as the guy stepped out, but he never did. Today, he was hoping the guy would open the door for someone a little more closely related to the law. Unfortunately for him, that was Carla and me. When Muggs came over and tried to bring me another beer, Carla objected. I got this from the sound of a bottle being set on the bar in front of me, it immediately being swept to my right, and a back-and-forth scrape-wobble-scrape that sounded a lot less confrontational than it was. I found none of this amusing. You ever sat and listened to the sounds behind silence? When you know something is happening around you, some communication you are not privy to, despite your proximity, that unnerving feeling of being seen... When you aren't able to see, unless you're five years old and playing hide and seek, that feeling is generally not pleasant. Oh, let him have it, Carla. Three beers to night oh is like a thimbleful in the grand scheme of things.
1: Absolutely not. We have one more job, and he ha- is
0: sitting right here. Also, he's not deaf. Mugs. She's putting limits on my drinking. I think it's safe to say her time in our lives is coming to a close. Enjoy her while you can. Then I had a horrifying thought. Where's the gun, Carla? I felt her hands against my cheeks and she slid my face slightly back to the left, I guess to have me staring blankly at her in the correct direction, rather than blankly across the room in the direction of nothing.
1: In the car, glove box. And before you ask, yes, it's locked.
0: Carla shouldn't be carrying around a gun, Morneau. Lash's tone wasn't as jocular as I'd have liked, given he'd not only stated the obvious, but in doing so seemed to infer I was complicit. You don't say. Well, let's not be hasty, Muggs. Generally speaking, Carla's a peach of a gal. She wouldn't dream of going off willy-nilly or doing anything that remotely resembles blatant disregard for her safety or the safety of those around her. Carla is as steady as they come. In fact, from the moment she swept into my life, what followed was a vast sea of tranquility that gently rocks me to sleep each night. Are you done? Well, we could discuss how I'm sure my ulcer acting up has nothing to do with your culinary prowess. Or maybe you want to discuss your stellar driving habits.
1: Hey, Suri, is Morneau on the rag? I don't know how to respond to that.
0: Oh, for God's sake, put that damn thing away. It was charming the first 1,500 times, but your relationship with the disembodied voice on the other end of your stupid phone has begun to grate.
1: Is there something else I can help with? Can you help with his churlishness, Siri? I'm here to help. Get to know Siri at Apple.com. Okay.
0: I'll take her to the firing range tomorrow night, Carla. She's got a date tomorrow night, Muggs. Another hapless victim of the Danning charm. She'll have to pencil you in when her calendar frees up, but before you commit, let me reintroduce you to Carla Danny in case you're not getting a clear enough picture. We were at the police station all of thirty minutes today during which time she was able to wriggle her way out of jail time and somehow managed to get a cop to take a header into his desk to ensure the guy who just beat charges because of her stupidity ends up getting the time she thinks he deserves. She also made a date during that time, as well as got us barred from the police station for the foreseeable future, and her actions required Lash to play a chip he might otherwise have saved for a rainy day. In summary, when Carla Danning's around, shit won't be going according to plan, and there will likely be resulting damage. I grabbed for the beer I assumed was still in front of me after their little skirmish knocking it over when I misjudged its position. Damn it! I felt the edge of a moist cloth swipe one of my fingers as mugs cleaned up the mess in front of me while grabbing a replacement from the refrigerated case below the bar. This time, I didn't give it a chance to get away. I grabbed the bottle before he had time to twist off the cap, which I did, then tossed it to my right, hoping it bounced off Carla's head. Did it? I'll never know.
1: Well, while we're taking inventory mugs, let me introduce you to Dex Morneau. He's my boss, and this job doesn't pay nearly enough for the shit that I put up with on a daily basis. Which is mainly him and his drinking, but most recently, his powerlessness over his current circumstances. Which, yes, okay, I contributed to. But anyone paying attention will know that his issues are generally born from his self-loathing, which tends to manifest itself in the form of snide remarks and pithy turns of fucking phrase.
0: There was an uncomfortable throat clearing, and then Muggs mumbled something about us getting a room before I heard him shuffle away.
1: Don't take it out on Muggs. If you're mad at me, go ahead, take a swing. If you're going to need something more substantial, we'll go find you a bat, and you can lay into the brick wall out in the alley. Or we can get this goddamn eviction done, and then go back to your place, where you can lay into me. Just like Murkowski, I am happy to take one for the team. Carla... Hey, I just thought I would offer, in case the problem is that your old man juices are backed up. I swiped
0: my cane from the hook, finished the beer and three swallows, and got up. Okay, let's go evict an asshole. Mugs, I yelled, staring blankly in the general area I figured him to be, which was as far away from us as possible. I owe you a holiday fruitcake or something for putting up with us. You're a good man but you aren't very good at picking friends. His reply was quiet and much closer than I anticipated. You don't pick friends, Morneau. They
1: pick you.